Welcome to the Breakthrough and Bloom podcast. My name is Kelsey Marks, and I am your host and your Breakthrough BFF. My mission in the world is to help women who are interested in spirituality really, truly understand who they are at the core of their being, guiding them through the process of healing themselves and really honing into what it means to be human. I intend to be an open channel to allow insights to flow in that help you break through to the next level of who you were always meant to be. With these conversations, we're going to shift some perspectives, okay? And we're going to give you a new way to live the life that you live, allowing the opportunity to truly manifest what it is that you desire. So if you're looking to break through to the next level of who you are, to live the life of your dreams, and to gain a deeper understanding of spiritual topics, well, you have come to the right place. And I know we're going to have so much fun together, and I am beyond excited to have these conversations with you. So let's go ahead and get started, shall we? Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode here at the Breakthrough and Bloom podcast. Today is a story time episode, and I'll be talking a little bit about my spiritual journey and how that unfolded for me and what that kind of looked like. And even though I could go into great depths about all of the things I went into, that will be multiple different episodes. And today I'm going to keep it focused on just like the spiritual aspect of my self-growth within the last, I'm going to say five to 10 years. So a lot of people think spiritual journeys start out like spiritual, which I guess, yes, that makes sense. But in the aspect of your spiritual journey doesn't really start until you start meditating or you connect to your guides or you understand your birth chart or your human design or start really doing hippy dippy shit. And yes, it can totally start that way. But I think we're discrediting ourselves a lot if we think that is the only time or the only way that a spiritual journey or awakening starts. I honestly, I didn't start getting into like this hippy dippy witchy shit until about like three years ago. And don't get me wrong, I love it. But that means I lived the majority of my life without it. And when I thought back on my spiritual journey for this podcast, I was thinking about, okay, where did like the changes really start? Because to me, a spiritual journey or a spiritual awakening is really about making different choices and having a different path unfold in front of you because of these different choices that you're making. And when I thought about it even more, I realized that a spiritual journey or just an awakening in general, it doesn't even have to be spiritual, but just an awakening in general starts when you become curious about yourself. When you start asking questions about why is this happening to me? Why do I act this way? Why do I feel this way? And I don't think any growth journey can start without that initial curiosity. And curiosity is the most powerful, most amazing emotion or energy or activity. I don't even know what to call curiosity, but I think it is the most powerful thing to get you to start moving. It's like the thing that it's the jet fuel in, in the jet. It's what gets you going. It's the propellant. It starts your growth and your change and your manifestations, honestly, when you become curious. And it really starts about 
becoming curious about yourself because at the end of the day, again, your life is just a reflection of what's going on inside. So if you want to change things that are happening in your life, you got to go inside first. And the first way to do it is just to ask, just to get curious. We tell kids all the time that, you know, you need to ask for help or you need to express how you're feeling or you need to tell me these things. And then we become an adult and we just expect ourselves to have all of the answers without ever asking questions, including questions about ourselves. And I think it's so important to start with getting curious about yourself. And that's where it honestly started for me was when I started to get curious and I started to ask questions. So when I thought back to, okay, when was the first time that I really got curious about to my curious about myself that then actually like propelled me to do different things to make different choices. And that moment that stuck out to me, I think it was back when I was like a junior in high school. So 2011-ish. And I remember this moment so vividly, which is funny because it's all about me not remembering things. So I was in the car with my best friend, Kristen. She was driving. We were in Holyoke. I know the exact light we were at. We were right by the Holyoke High School. I remember she had a Snickers bar in her center console where the cups were because she always like got hungry and needed Snickers back then. And I remember that a song came on the radio and I'm pretty sure it was a Rihanna song. I don't remember exactly which one, but a song came on the radio and I was like, oh, this is such a good song. I haven't heard this in forever. And she looks at me dead in the eye and goes, dude, we just heard the song like three minutes ago. And I honestly could not remember. I couldn't remember the fact that we had just heard it. And it wasn't just me not paying attention being, oh, shit, I forgot. Haha. <laughs> it was like I literally could not recall listening to the song. And that's when I had my first moment of like, oh, something's going on and I'm curious as to what it is. And granted, it was more (laughs) concern than curiosity at the time. And I was like, my short-term memory, I had been feeling this way for a little bit, but I was like, my short-term memory is jacked up. I can't remember anything anymore. And I got curious about it. Like, okay, why is this happening? So what ended up happening is I went to my doctor and told them that I felt like I was struggling with short-term memory issues. And I was, you know, obviously concerned about it, curious about it, wanted to know more. And they ended up sending me to somewhere in Bay State to get a psychological evaluation done, which It's a test for a lot of different things, but really for how well your brain is functioning. And it has to do with like short-term memory, long-term memory, cognitive functioning, all of that like fun stuff that is very interesting. And I had the cognitive psychological evaluation done. And what ended up happening was that I found out that my levels of short-term memory were at a lower level than where I was processing everything else. So it wasn't necessarily that I had alarming like short-term memory issues. It's just that my short-term memory wasn't processing at the same level that everything else was. So I was noticing obviously a difference. And 
in that psychological evaluation, the doctor had told me that I was suffering from dissociative amnesia. And that was the first time I ever heard of that. And I knew that I was already going through anxiety and depression. I was on, you know, antidepressants at that time. And when I had this done and it kind of was just like more on top of it, but it was very interesting because I finally understood why I wasn't forming like memories and why it felt like when I was going through my days that I was just kind of like watching as if I was watching like a reality TV show. Like I wasn't really part of it. I was just kind of observing and I was kind of stepped out of it. And it was because of the fact I was dissociating and I was dissociating and not forming any memories and doing it on purpose as a protective mechanism. Granted, back then, I was just like, oh, cool, add more on top of it. When I look back now, I'm like, oh, my God, my brain is so interesting. (laughs) And not to jump ahead, but my memory has gotten a lot better. But there are definitely moments of like blackouts and things that I just can't recall. And I've I've accepted it. It's okay. Um, And I'm doing what I can to work through it. And the more that I'm working on myself, the more that my memory starts to come back. And that's what's really exciting is when I do start to remember things because it's like a a one-on-one with my growth and it's, it's cool. Um, but that was like the first moment, the first time I got curious enough about myself to want to learn more about myself because I could have very easily just been like, oh, I just have like terrible memory and gone on with my life and then never have taken the time to realize that I was going through something and that my brain was doing something to, you know, protect myself. And then it got me even more curious as to, okay, why? Why am I dissociating in the first place? Obviously, I knew I was shit was going on in my life and I wasn't happy and I was I was dealing with a lot of things emotionally and mentally and things with just like school but then sports but then family and relationships and it obviously was a lot especially for someone so young as I was and trying to handle it all on my own because I really didn't have anybody that I could talk to about any of this I didn't have any role models of good emotional regulation I didn't have that so I was just kind of swimming out there thinking oh this is life (laughs) and it's It's so funny to look back now to be like, oh, my God, that is not life. Uh, I mean, it is, but like that doesn't have to be your life. And, you know, because of that cognitive psych and being like, oh, shit, my brain is doing something because it thinks I'm not safe. It thinks it needs to protect me from something. What what is going on that I need protecting from? So I started going to psychotherapy, regular talk therapy. I was learning more about myself and I was learning why I was the way I was. I was learning the tools of being introspective to go within and to ask the questions of like, okay, I feel this way. Why? And learning that, you know, other people's reactions and actions to me caused me to believe certain things about myself or caused me to believe certain things about the way that the world worked. And my psych, my shrink, whatever, he was so good. I absolutely loved him. He helped me out so, so much and had taught me so much about introspective behaviors and how to ask questions and how to like look at things from a higher perspective 
of everyone who was involved, not just myself and the story I, I was telling myself about what had happened, but also seeing like, oh, this person acted this way because they were going through this or they acted this way because their childhood was like that. And it wasn't necessarily that I did something wrong, but it was more just what happened and how I interpreted it. And therapy was really great. But it got to a point where it's like, okay, I learned the tools of how to ask myself questions. I learned the tools of how to put pieces of the puzzle together. I learned the ways of, you know, calming myself down a little bit. The tools weren't that great for calming myself down, but I was learning. And then it got to the point where I wasn't learning anymore. And that's kind of where I think a lot of traditional talk therapy fails people and a lot of times why people think it doesn't work is because it teaches you like introspection and how to become self-aware and to ask yourself questions but then it doesn't really give you any tools of what to do with the answers once you have them and then you're just kind of like floating around like okay like I know I feel this way because of some fucked up stuff that happened like what do I do with it and then you know People don't release it or learn from it or heal from it because talk therapy doesn't really teach that. It just kind of teaches you how to put the magnifying glass on your past to understand where, why, when, and how things formed in your life. Um, regardless, <laughs> after I started going to therapy, it was great. I think I went for like six months or something. I was making these really big aha moments of just understanding myself and being like, you know what, it is okay for me to put myself first. It is okay for me to make decisions that make me feel good about myself. It's okay for me to not follow a path that maybe I traditionally was following and wanted to pursue, but maybe doesn't fulfill me anymore. And I started making really large changes after going to therapy and you know, following what felt fun and freeing and exciting and like scary at the same time, because change is always scary, but it felt more right than where I was. I could have stayed in the same cycle that I was in and going through the same things, but I felt like this pull to start doing the things that required me to like take a leap of faith and just saying, just saying like, fuck it, I'm doing it. And I became really brave <laughs> at this point in my life. And I think it was because I started just learning about myself and feeling more comfortable with myself. And I made some really big changes. So I ended a five-year-long relationship that I was in that I thought I was going to be in for a really long time. I ended up dropping out of college with one semester left. I had realized when I went to my internship that I did not want to do what I was doing. I was going for communication disorders for like a speech pathologist. And when I went to my internship, like immediately as soon as she started talking, I knew that I was dropping out of college. <laughs> when I was in the internship, like interviewing with her, I was like, no, like I'm done with this. I'm just done with all of it. Um, because I had, I had started in physical therapy at Springfield college, realized in my anatomy and phys physiology class that I didn't really like it as much as I thought I did. I wasn't really cut out for it. It was harder than I expected, but I wasn't quitting because of that. But 
I also felt like a resistance. Like I didn't want to learn it. There was no drive behind it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to learn it. It's like, oh, this stuff is so fucking boring. I'm not into it. And then I changed to my minor, which was communication disorders. And then I realized in one of my classes, I think it was language acquisition, I realized the part of communication disorders that I enjoyed was actually cognitive psych. So how the brain learns. And when I realized to go into like a graduate program for cognitive psych, you needed a psych undergrad and I was not in psych and to switch again would extend me like another two or three years in undergrad. And at that point I was already three years into school and I was like, you know what, I'm done. It's it's too much. And I was just done with it. And I dropped out of college and then I actually moved across the country from Massachusetts to California six months after I dropped out of college. So granted, my parents were like, what is this chick doing? She's like throwing her life away right now. But it all felt right for me and it all fell into place so easily too. That's the thing, like dropping out was so easy. Finding a place and roommates to live with in California was so easy. Getting the money to move across country, it like, it all fell together. So I didn't have any hesitations because it just was so easy. For the first time in my life, shit was just like falling together and I wasn't fighting to make things happen. It was just flowing. And right before I moved out, to California is when I ended up meeting Jordan, my soulmate, which when I look back now, never would have happened if I didn't start making those choices to make a change. It never would have happened if I didn't get curious about myself enough to want to change. And it's just so amazing to see how all of those things obviously fall together now. But that's part of the reason why I'm sharing this story is that like, just getting curious and then starting to make the changes of things that don't align with the things that bring you joy anymore and not just staying with it out of comfort or staying with it because you're afraid of making the change, but just like ripping the bandaid off and doing it anyways, you're allowing so much more abundance to flow into you. Like I was able to manifest my soulmate because I started doing these scary, really big changes of like, I'm not following the path that everyone expects me to follow. I'm not going to do the things that people want me to do because they must know, right? Like I was following what felt good for me. And at that time, it was a bit of a rebellion. I was going totally against the grain. I was ending relationships. I was ending my college career I was ending where I lived and just like completely starting over 3,000 miles away and California in its own was really tough for me for a lot of different reasons California my experience in California will have its own podcast episode at some point because there was a lot of different things that I had learned out there um But one of the major changes to go with this was getting off of my depression medication. And the way that this happened was kind of my first spiritual moment. So when I was in California, my best friend Julissa had passed away and I was too broke to afford to be able to fly back to come see her. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I would lose everything if I did, which is a scary place to be in, to not be able to afford 
literally anything. <laughs> um, so after she had passed, I was self-medicating a lot with marijuana, with weed, because I was in California and it was legal and it was everywhere. So I was smoking like a lot, a lot, a lot. Like I was doing dabs um, a lot. <laughs> and I think it obviously really helped me because weed is not bad at all. Like people think it's like a terrible thing and like not actually it's becoming a lot more. I'm saying people as in like my parents' generation, they don't see it as a medication, which it really is. And it helped me slow down and again, go inside. It allowed me to get out of the emotions of everything that was happening and just like take a, a chill pill, go inside and be like, okay, what do we want to focus on? What do we like, what do we want to focus on that makes us feel good? I wasn't at that point where I, where I am now of being able to go within and being able to like understand my emotions. But I was at a point where I was curious enough to be like, how can I make myself just feel better? And I remember this one day very vividly, which the vivid moments always make me giggle because I was obviously dissociating at that time. So um, having the vivid memory of I was in my kitchen fridge. We This was our Tustin apartment. I opened the door and I look in and I'm about to grab a gallon of milk. And I just hear in my head so clear. You do not need your depression medication anymore. Stop taking it. And it was so clear. It was as if someone talked in my ear, but I was home alone. There was no one there. And I like stopped and I was like, oh, okay. And it didn't feel scary. It didn't feel like, oh my God, I I shouldn't be doing that. I just like accepted it. I was like, oh, okay, I'll stop taking it. And I stopped taking it that day. And for anyone who knows about depression medication, anxiety medication, or is is on it or whatever, knows that you can't just stop cold turkey without getting like uh, withdrawal symptoms. And I had back before I had to change my medication once and go off of one and go on to another. And I had withdrawal symptoms. So it's funny because that thought didn't even cross my mind at that time at all, really until like years later when I thought back about it. But I got off I stopped taking my depression medication, cold turkey, just stopped. I didn't have a single thing happen to me. I did not with, have any withdrawal symptoms at all. I just I just stopped taking it and I was done. And I felt better. <laughs> I felt better when I got off of it. And that was like my first kind of hit of like a spiritual thing that happened in my life. Granted at the time, no, I was like, oh, it's just Julissa talking to me. Um, because I, I had believed in that, that like you could talk to those who had passed. I didn't know where they went or anything like that, but I just had like this feeling of like, oh, you could still like hang out with people who'd passed or maybe they drop in and send you messages with like butterflies or whatever. Um, and I was just like, oh, she's telling me to get off of it. So I'm just going to get off of it. And that was like my first spiritual thing. But again, I didn't like, that's not what dove me into spirituality. In fact, I kind of like brushed it off and didn't even realize it was really a, a huge spiritual moment of connecting to my higher self or my guides or whoever until years later when I like looked back at it. And it was just 
yeah, that was a really big moment for me, obviously getting off of the medication, but then that was another choice. Like I could have ignored that and stayed on it for all of the reasons that everyone says to stay on it, but I didn't. I just, again, I was kind of just going against the grain at that point in my life. So I, I got off of them and I don't regret it at all. Obviously, I haven't been back on it since since then, which I think was 2016. Yeah, I think it was 2016. And I've been better ever since. And I had like this moment of clarity then. It, it felt so clear. And that was like, yeah, one of my first spiritual things that happened now that I'm thinking about it. And then, you know, I got off of it and then I still was doing like the questions of like, how can I make myself happy? And California was really, really tough for Jordan and I. And we ended up just having the realization that this like hamster wheel of the life we were living in California of just like grinding day in and day out and just like not enjoying ourselves. It just wasn't working and it wasn't fulfilling. And we decided to just move back to Massachusetts to the East Coast and to start over. And that, you know, we were too young to be like, no, this is it. This is how we're going to live the rest of our lives. We realized we had all, we have all this time and that we could restart and just start back at zero. And like, sure, it's not fun moving back home and living with your parents, but like, that was such a huge decision for us and such a good one because now our lives are obviously so amazing. But also that again, it was like the continuation of this like slow moving ball that started with me just getting curious about why I couldn't remember shit and then getting curious about why I was the way I was and then being like, you know what, I want to be happy. So like my curiosity started morphing into these choices to make really big changes in my life that felt good more than they felt scary. And it just started like going and there was this momentum behind it, which is why I I think that like curiosity is like the the fire or the fuel in a jet that starts it all off because the curiosity started this momentum of me making changes, making changes, making choices and just growing. And I would love to say that my growth stopped there, but obviously it did not. <laughs> so I, when we moved back, I was still going through a lot of things. I was actually uh, overweight at that point. I was about 20 pounds overweight, which for a five foot one frame is a lot because it's small. Um, and I really hated how I felt. I felt like I looked like an Oompa Loompa balloon, uh, not an Oompa Loompa, but the girl when she eats the candy and then just floats away. That's how I felt. <laughs> I may not have looked that way to others, but that's how I felt. And it took months of me just like feeling like garbaggio before I did something about it. Um, my sister had downloaded the app Noom and she asked me to do it with her to be like an accountability buddy. And I downloaded Noom and it's a great app if anyone wants to start losing weight. I absolutely love and recommend Noom because it teaches you the psychology behind eating food and what food actually does to your body and why you eat the way you eat. Very, very interesting. And it actually helped me lose the 20 pounds 
which was great. And then because I started losing the weight, I had the energy that I did not have before to go to the gym. So I was actually going to the gym every morning before work, which I am not a gym rat. I do not enjoy the gym. So that was like crazy to me. And I felt so good. I had this like rhythm going and then COVID hit and everyone knows that everything shut down for a very long time. So I was in this like really great place of where I had just lost weight. I was continuing to lose weight. I was going to the gym. I was feeling really, really good. And then wha-bam, everything got shut down. And I'm like, okay, like... I can't go to the gym anymore. I tried working out at home, but I hate working out at home and it just didn't work. And I was like, okay, like I'm on this self-care wave and I don't want to like lose it. Obviously the exercise isn't working for me right now because I, I can't go to the gym and I don't like working out at home. It's not the same. So what can I do now? Again, I got curious. I started asking questions again instead of just accepting like, oh, this is done now. It was like, okay, what can I do to continue this wave? I got curious. I started asking questions. And at this time, my brother, Cameron, was beginning his astrology business. So he was doing astrology readings, which is your birth chart based on your birth time and where you were born. And it basically is like your personality on a piece of paper. It's amazing. I love astrology now. Um, But I had turned to him because he seemed to be doing really well. And I was like, okay, let me just see what this is all about. Like, A, I want to support him. But B, he seems to be really comfortable in his own skin. And that was something that I wanted to continue feeling because that's what I was feeling. So I turned to astrology, got an astrology reading done. It was really eye-opening for me. And I would say that this was where the spiritual journey, the spiritual aspect of my spiritual journey or my awakening took place. It started after my first birth chart reading. And then he introduced me to a good friend of his that does tarot card readings and a lot of other amazing things as well. And I ended up getting some readings done that were really, really profound for me and started learning about like past lives as well and how they play into your current life. And I had a card reading done that really helped me connect with Julissa, which was really amazing. And I got to grieve in a way that I wasn't able to in California, which obviously that's huge to with healing is to grieve and to let things go and to have clarity and retrospection and just understanding of a situation and then I think it was my sister Becky who told me about Reiki because I think her best friend was just getting Reiki certified and there was this woman named Debbie who is my Reiki master. I absolutely love her. She's a gem of a human being. But anyways, so Becky recommended me to go see Debbie. So I went and got a Reiki session done and like this is where I was like, oh my god, like this. What is this? I need to know more about this. I need to learn this. So I had one Reiki session. I was like, I'm signing up. I'm signing up to learn Reiki one, like right away. I just, I felt such a connection to it. And then 
you know, spirituality and Reiki go really hand in hand. So learning Reiki really put me in the world of spirituality as well and learning about our chakra system and learning about how energy moves through our bodies and the meridian lines and our auras and grounding to the earth and connecting to the source and where Reiki energy comes from and and what it is. And learning Reiki really opened the doors and the windows and the roofs (laughs) for me for spirituality, because in order to do Reiki, you kind of, you have to be in touch with that world because it is spiritual in nature. It is a different way of healing, a different way of working with yourself. And when I was doing Reiki, I think it was... So after Reiki 1, Reiki 1 is kind of like Reiki on yourself and you learn the basics of it and you can practice on other people. So I was practicing on my mom and my sister and then I got Reiki 2 certified, I think shortly after, might have been anywhere from like four to six months after I had the first Reiki 1 attunement. And after my Reiki 2 attunement, I I don't remember exactly how or when it happened, but I think I was at Mandazi Books in Connecticut, which is like a... a a spiritual store with tons of crystals and amazing books. And I think I was there and I saw a book about dragons. And if you've ever been to Mandazi, there are a a ton of books. So the fact that I even like saw this one obviously stood out for a reason. And it was, I think it was called working with dragons, like just as simple as that. And I bought the book because it just looked really cool. And then I started reading it. And in this book, there's a lot of um, different meditations of working with dragons and different dragons that this woman had come in contact with and meditated with and and all of this this stuff and I was like oh this is interesting okay I was getting into meditating um I wasn't really doing like self meditation so much I really did a lot of guided meditations at that point I still do I prefer guided meditations and I was like let's give some of these meditations a try so I started doing some of the meditations out of the book and working with dragons and when I tell you that I've, I had experiences, like I'm telling you, I had experiences <laughs> in these meditations of where I could start like seeing things. And that's a thing too, I forgot to mention is that my whole life I've struggled with like seeing things in my head. So I was never able to like just draw from scratch because I couldn't see it in my head to draw it out. There, There's no image up there. It's just like a bunch of words and like the thoughts, but no imagery. And the first time I did a meditation with a dragon was the first time I actually saw something in my mind's eye and I got it. And I understood when people said like, see in your mind's eye or imagine seeing, like it was the first time that I could picture something in my head besides like when I dreamt. And it was really, really cool. And it was really profound for me. And I felt like tingles all over my body. And I felt just, I felt something happen during a meditation. And I was like, there's no way that dragons don't exist because I felt it. I felt them come into the room. I felt them, you know, touch me. I felt their energy come into me. Like I felt it. And 
that's when I was like, okay, like dragons are no joke, man. They're, they're the real thing. They're the bee's knees. So I started working with the dragons and I learned about having your own personal dragon and everyone has their own personal dragon. And I called mine in and I met him and his name is Smushy and he is the same exact colors as the dragon plushy toy I had growing up that I had completely forgot about until that my dragon came through and said his name. And I was like, oh my God. So our personal dragons are with us our entire lives while we're incarnated in this human form. And mine was even here in a toy form that I had literally since I was born. And I had lost it somewhere along the way. Actually, I didn't lose it. My mom just found it and gave it to me like last month. So I have Smushy in my possession (laughs) now. But um, yeah, so I had met Smushy, my dragon. And then I was like, this is so cool. Like, I can't be the only one who's experiencing these really cool and amazing things. And after the meditations, too, I always felt a shift. I felt different. I felt better. I felt clearer. I felt lighter. I just felt different. And I was like, okay, there's something to working with dragons. There's something with their energy. And I want to share that with others. So I started doing like different working with dragon sessions. And I remember one of the sessions I did, someone had told me that they were having a really hard time meditating lately. And that this was the first time they were able to calm their mind enough to actually meditate in months. Because we worked with uh, the black dragons, which I love them. They're basically like a warm hug cocoon letting you just chill out for a minute. Um, but yeah, they were. that was the first time that this person was able to meditate. And I was like, yeah, because dragons are like this amazing, pure, loving energy that is just so strong. And that can help us in so many different amazing ways. So I still work with dragons if you're interested (laughs) in learning who your dragon is and just working with dragons in general and having that experience of feeling their energy because I'm telling you, it's a real thing. And my dad asked me, he's like, you don't really believe in dragons, do you? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I was like, just because you can't see it with our eyeballs doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like, think about it. If we were to go back to the 1800s and tell them like, hey, there's this machine that can see your bones. So if it's broken, you can see a broken bone. They'd be like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) They'd be like, you're wild. That's not real. You're crazy. But we nowadays, we, we know that you can. And it's the same thing. I think it's like, just because we're not, we don't have the technology Uh, I air quoting that technology or our eyeballs aren't able to perceive it doesn't mean they don't exist. I felt it. I felt it energetically. I felt tingles on my body. Like I got thoughts that came and dropped in super clear, very similar to the time of um, when I stopped taking my antidepressants, the thoughts drop in very clear like that. Like I've had experiences that cannot be explained by just, oh, it's a coincidence. Like, no. So yeah, I can't see them with my eyeballs, sure. But I believe that they exist because I felt them with other senses. And just because you can't see something with your eyeball doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We all know oxygen exists. We all know carbon monoxide exists. That's why we have those detectors, but we can't see it. We can't even smell it 
but carbon monoxide exists and everyone accepts it. But then when you say dragons exist, they're like, what? And it's like, it's the same things. The same senses that can't sense carbon monoxide can't sense them. (laughs) And that's fine. We can get in tune at one day to sense it. But yeah, tangent there, but that's okay. And then one of my clients, she... Definitely thought I was a little cuckoo at first, I know, um, which makes me giggle. I had talked about her previously. Um, She has her personal dragon that she loves and that she connects with all the time. And that is like her guardian angel, basically, and like helps her whenever she's feeling really frustrated or, or struggling or whatever, or maybe just like wants to have a good meditation session, like having your personal dragon and connecting with them is just amazing. And then this is obviously where I got really into the woo because then I was like, oh my God, I just had music playing in the background. Sorry. (laughs) But then this is where I was like, okay, there is something going on out here in this universe that we're living in. And I want to learn more about it. So I started reading a lot of different like spiritual books, like Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle and Neville Goddard and just getting like really into it. And I think I, I was reading so many different like psych self-help books. It was wild. Like I was just so into it. And then I was reading different things like NLP and what else did I read? I don't even remember. I read so many different things and I really was like diving headfirst into this world of spirituality and the woo and So I guess Reiki would be the opening door for it. Dragons is like the push through. And then I've just kind of been in the world of woo ever since then. And it's been really amazing. The most recent things that I have done are uh, QHHT, which is quantum hypnosis healing technique by Dolores Cannon. And I also really love Dolores Cannon's books. I'm reading her Convoluted Universe series. I think I'm on book four right now. I also read The Three Waves of Volunteers. So good. I mean, her books, I would not recommend for someone who's just like starting out in spirituality because there's a lot of dense topics in it that are really like mind boggling. So amazing to read. Love her books. But anyways, the QHHT, that's her her hypnosis technique that she teaches. And I had one of those done and it was super, super cool to connect to my subconscious mind and to have it speak and to have words come out of my body that I was not consciously aware of. So incredibly cool. And then um, I'm actually currently in Manifestation Babes manifestation babe academy right now and that has been really big for me as well a lot of the things that she's teaching are spiritual or spirituality and I had already known a lot of it but it was nice to hear it in another way and then just like have this guide of teaching all of the shadow work and things that I also like know and love very very much and it's been really great to keep me on track to continue doing like the self-work the self-healing and she is into RRT which is rapid resolution therapy or technique I think it's therapy and I had an RRT session done with this lovely woman named Denise and that was so cool and so mind-boggling because it's literally just changing the way that your mind interpreted certain situations to release emotional attachments to them without like having to go into hypnosis or anything like that without even needing to like feel it so like how traditional talk therapy makes you like go back to the moment and feel it and become aware of it like RRT allows you to clear it without needing to feel it you just have to become aware of it and then 
you have like a 15 minute conversation about things that like aren't even that pertinent to it. And the emotional attachment is gone. And it's so cool because it's just talking straight to your subconscious in the way that the subconscious understands, which is like visuals and metaphors and not the logic mind and not numbers and language, but like, again, visuals and and things like that. And like examples, which is a way that I also talk a lot too. I realized, so I was kind of like doing this stuff prior, but one of my favorite things to do is to take like really complex spiritual topics, like the law of one. That one took me a really long time to like understand not from like a logical perspective, but to understand in my body. And that's something too that I'll talk about in the future of the difference between knowing and knowing Um, one in the mind and then one in the body. So cool when uh, logic moves down into your heart center and you begin that like knowing process. Um, But that's something that I find, I really find a lot of enjoyment in is helping bring the logic into the heart through metaphors and through like examples, which in my previous podcast episodes, like with the tattoo parlor, getting tattoos done and using that as an example, I like do that stuff all of the time to help explain things. Um, because sometimes just like examples and stories are a lot better than trying to like logically explain something to someone. Uh, so that's currently where I'm at in my journey. My my spiritual journey is far from over and it's still kind of in like it's early ish phases. Um, I mean, you don't see me floating around or anything, (laughs) so I'm definitely not like a shaman or, or any of that. Um, I'm just, you know, doing what feels really good. And this podcast is one of the things that feel really, really good. Coaching again is another thing that feels really, really good for me. My vision going forward, like how I, I see this growing is just like into this massive supportive community full of different masterclasses, full of different coachings. Um, and honestly, I really want to do like women's circles retreats, going to just different beautiful places on the planet and just healing the divine feminine and getting us into balance. And that is my big end goal is to have retreats like that. But I'm going to be starting with masterclasses and coaching. And who knows, you know what, maybe the retreats come first. I don't know, we're going to go with what feels good. But right now the podcast feels good. And um, yeah, I think that's all of the information that's flowing out of my noggin today about my spiritual journey because that's where I'm at right now is doing this podcast and seeing where it grows and having just a really amazing time connecting and sharing information with all of these amazing human beings you included and in case no one has told you this today I am so proud of you You're doing amazing, sweetie. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'll see you in the next one.